Hey everybody, this is Ray Kelsch, and this is episode 22 of Have Not Seen This, a weekly in-depth look at a much-beloved movie selected specifically by our guest that they're a little surprised when they find out people have not seen. Hope you're having a good week out there. It is the middle of the week, and here you have a little movie conversation to help get you through your hump day. Glad to have this out every Wednesday for your listening pleasure. And glad for those of you who gave me feedback on last week's episode about The Princess Bride. And I told you going in that it was an interesting conversation. It definitely was not the conversation that I was expecting to have about a movie like The Princess Bride. And some of you really liked it, and some of you didn't care for it so much. And I I even had a couple people ask why I let that conversation happen about a movie as beloved as The Princess Bride. And the answer I can give you is that's the nature of this show. You know, I I don't pick the movie, and I let the guest kind of take the conversation where it goes when they want to. I have questions I'm going to ask, but as you'll actually see on a couple of upcoming episodes, sometimes I just throw the playbook out the window and let the conversation go where it goes. And that's certainly the way that I handled The Princess Bride. And I am kind of happy with the end product. As I said, it wasn't the conversation that I was expecting to have, but, you know, my son just had us rewatch Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and that movie kind of captures the essence of this podcast. When I have a guest on, it's a leap of faith, and sometimes we have really brilliant conversations that I'm really happy to have been a part of. Sometimes I have a guest who is possibly intoxicated, but... You never know. It's a leap of faith, and I just have to be happy with the end product regardless. And I was. I'm happy with that episode, and I'm happy with this episode, which I'm going to get right into. I'm going to cut the intro a little short because I have some stuff I want to say about this episode, but I don't want to undermine the conversation by putting it here in the front. So I'm going to have a couple more remarks on the back end instead of just closing the show out like I normally do. So this week, my guest is a young man that, quite frankly, I'm quite impressed with. Uh, His name's Garrett. He's from a podcast called Garrett Talks to Himself. Um, When I started podcasting, and some of you may have already heard this before, but when I started podcasting, the Weekly Blend audio show started as a one-man conversation. And I quickly came to the realization that people probably didn't want to just listen to me talk by myself for 15 or 20 minutes. And the truth is, maybe people did. I just lacked the confidence to go that route with the show And so I found co-hosts, and we had a rapport, and we had a a wonderful podcast. I'm really proud of the work that we did on the Weekly Blend Audio Show. But what if I had had just a little more self-confidence in myself and decided to do it as a one-man show? Would that have been less popular? I I I don't know. But Garrett is certainly finding that out for himself. His show is called Garrett Talks to Himself because it is a one-person conversation. And he comes up with some really interesting topics. We talk a little bit about one of his recent episodes in our conversation. Um, But I mean, you want to talk about self-confidence. You want to talk about having the will to do that kind of show. Dude recorded an episode in his bathtub and I, I could never do that. And that's not saying he's doing it wrong. That's saying I don't have that kind of self-confidence. So I'm quite frankly, a little amazed by the level of self-confidence he has with the direction he takes his own podcast. He brought to the show the 2007 comedy Hot Rod, which I had not seen before this and had come on my radar as I talk about in the episode. So here we go with 2007's Hot Rod, and I'll see you on the back end for some additional comments. Uh, I, I got a chance to check out your podcast earlier today, and uh, you know your most recent episode caught me off guard because it was uh, Star Wars is stupid, <laughs> but I like it. <laughs> but you like it, yeah. Really, you use that as an opportunity more to talk about the toxicity of fandom. Yes, absolutely. And I found that a, a really interesting approach to that. Is it was there something specific that triggered that? Um, yeah, there was, I, uh, up leading up to actually watching, um, the rise of Skywalker, um, being someone who frequents Twitter a lot, it was impossible to avoid stuff with it and seeing other people like retweeting things and just how they, they shared their 
extreme distaste for the movie and for the the series in general since you know disney took over and just how generally awful they were at the whole thing when it could have been just as easy to be like you know this new star wars isn't my thing and then just let it go (laughs) yeah i actually hit on that in an intro to one of my episodes a couple weeks ago um at least at the time that we're recording this um because there were there were several people that i follow on twitter that I, I like and I respect their opinions. And it felt like that entire first week rise of Skywalker came out. Every tweet was just bashing on the movie. And it was like, okay, I get it. You don't like it, but this is taking it to an extreme. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think I actually referenced the one that really set me off. And I don't know if it was actually for rise of Skywalker. I think it was for last Jedi. They were talking, was they were talking about the, the big lightsaber duel in Snoke's throne room and how just poor it was done, how cheesy it looked and all those kind of things. And just like running it over when it could have just been like, that wasn't my thing. Right. Right. Exactly. So there's a pretty big disconnect between something like star Wars and the movie you've picked. Uh, So where are, where's what's your wheelhouse as far as movies go? What do you like? Oh, it's this. And it, this kind of just goes with my life in general. Um, I like everything. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's like when we're picking movies, like with my wife and I will be sitting at home and we'll be like, what do you want to watch? Or she'll be like, what do you want to watch? I'm like, no, you're the one who needs to pick because I will literally watch anything you put on the TV. If I had to like really narrow it down, I would have to say just comedies are, are my, my go-to. I just love laughing. And I mean, as much fun as like the, the Marvel superhero movies are, or even Star Wars, you know, you could go back and visit those anytime and they're a good time. I just feel like comedies just really just take you out of reality um, in a different way and just, you know, help you release that that happiness, that like serotonin, that that laughter, you know, kind of does. So I think that's where I would go is just the, the comedy, the comedy scene. Gotcha. Yeah, I realized in an early episode of the show that I, I, I've gone a long time without really focusing on comedy. And oddly enough, it was another comedy from this same year uh, that you've picked. And I realized like there was probably a good five, 10 years there that I didn't see a really, I didn't really go see comedies in the theater uh, for, for whatever reason. So I'm, I'm suddenly being introduced to these comedies that people love and, you know, wondering where the hell was I when these were coming out? <laughs> <laughs> I, I personally feel like a, like a comedy movie is, is much better enjoyed in the comfort of your home. I think it's like, especially one like this one where you get to like sit with your friends and watch it. And when something funny happens, you know, you kind of make that eye contact and laugh or you don't get that in a movie theater. And I think that's a very important thing when it comes to like a, a, a comedy movie is, is that, that bond of, Oh, this is funny. We should laugh at this together. That's an interesting thought that comedies are better targeted for the home environment. I hadn't thought about that. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. I just, I just look back to all the ones that, that I've watched. And usually it's with like, if I'd be spending time with my brother, we'd be put on a movie or even like something on TV, like family guy, where you just have that camaraderie of, of laughing along with something and I don't know, just kind of helps, helps you bring you closer to who you're watching it with. Whereas, you know, something like, let's just go back to star Wars. You know, you go to the movie theater and you, you watch that, you all leave the theater with like a sense of, I don't know, like maybe accomplishment is maybe not the right word, but like you, you leave star Wars with, with something that everyone else has. And I don't know if you get that with a comedy as much. So you're talking more like a shared experience, Within the fandom, I guess, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Like you all you all saw this this journey come to an end together as opposed to, you know, watching somebody slip on a banana peel is you don't get that same like feeling with it when you're in the theater seats as opposed to just on your couch at home. (laughs) (laughs) So what's your what's your go to era for comedies? Is it more contemporary stuff or is there more classic stuff you like? Um, I'd say it's probably more contemporary, probably when uh like movies like like Anchorman, those kind of like where that that humor started, like that Saturday Night Live humor transcended into into the big screen. I definitely enjoy like the the Mel Brooks movies, too. I, I oh, yeah. really love going back and watching those. But the, the ones like this where it's it's either subtle humor or it's just, you know, 
unbelievably ridiculous, like this could never happen kind of stuff just really just tickles me the right way. I was going to say, there's nothing subtle about this one. (laughs) No, no, definitely not. All right. Well, we're talking of 2007's Hot Rod today, uh, directed by Akiva Schaefer, written by Pam Brady with uncredited rewrites by The Lonely Island, uh, starring Andy Samberg, Isla Fisher, Ian McShane, Jorma Takone, Bill Hader, Danny McBride, Sissy Spacek, Will Arnett, and Ian McShane. What's up, little riders? Jump in the public pool tomorrow. Tell your friends. That's just a sample. Good luck. Don't worry, Denise. I've done this before. So what are you supposed to be? A stuntman. Wow. My safe word will be whiskey. What do you mean whiskey? What? I just don't get why you're saying it that way. Why I'm saying what what way? Forget it. I will. I will forget it. Whoa, whiskey! Whiskey! Oh. Hey, everybody. We have a new crew member today, Denise. So I thought it'd be fun if we all went around and said a little something about ourselves. I like to party. I like to party. No, Dave, I just said that I party. I like to party. No. I like to party. Okay, nobody parties but me. Yeah, just Rod. Yes. And me. <laughs> Sweet. Oh, my God. Shut up. Hey, Rod, maybe you shouldn't fight Dad this week. Relax, Kev. I'm going to win this time. I did like 40 crunches yesterday. Get ready to meet your maker. Oh, God! We hadn't even started yet! I just had a great idea. One big jump, gentlemen. The biggest jump this town's ever seen. Let's party. If I'm gonna jump 15 buses, my body's gonna have to be in top physical form. Did we reinforce the takeoff ramp? No, we didn't have time. Cool. Oh! I've already drafted a rough schedule of exercises that will help us take things to the next level. Oh! You're a terrible stuntman. What? You're a terrible stuntman! <laughs> I'm just kidding. I can hear you. It was just really mean. From Paramount Pictures. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a jump for the ages. The moment we've all been waiting for. He's going in circles! Andy Samberg. Who wants to see me do a big stuff? Hot Rod. All great men have mustaches. Yeah, but real men actually grow them, huh? You know I have a hormone disorder! So I always start with how, you know, this is have not seen this. You're talking about a movie that people may not have seen. How do you describe this movie to someone who has not seen it? How do you sell them on wanting to see it? (laughs) Um, I think the best way to do this one, especially now that the Lonely Island have established themselves, it's it's the guys who do the, the Dick in a Box movie or the Dick in a Box song. They made a movie about a really bad stuntman. That's it. That's that's about how I can sell it, and I I think that's enough of a of a in for people like oh that sounds interesting I'll I'll check that out. Gotcha. So h- why Hot Rod is your choice? I mean, you you mentioned Anchorman, you mentioned Mel Brooks. Why choose this specific movie? I I don't know why I I clung to this one as much as I did. I think it's because I liked Andy Samberg like before watching this one. But I mean, like the movie starts like immediately within, I want to say it's like 20 seconds. You're already seeing how over the top this movie is. And as it continues through, it just gets weirder and weirder. But there's also some heart with it as well. And the absurd comedy that that they portray throughout, like the there, there's one scene where the camera cuts to the friends and they're like the one guy's giving high fives to the other guys and there's no context for it. And he just stops. It's stuff like that. That just, I, I don't know. It just really just works for me. And I, I could seriously watch this movie probably once a month and I'd never get tired of it. Well, I found it interesting that you brought it up to, to come on the show with, because just within the past few weeks uh, at the point that we first started talking, Several of the podcasts I listened to were doing their, you know, best of the 20 teens, uh, you know, the the decade wrap up, decade review. And and several film critics or, or film podcasts that I listened to mentioned this movie in a positive light. Oh, uh, okay. And and I found that 
really interesting timing as far as here I'm hearing critics saying, you know, this one I needed to give a second look, but it turned out better than I remembered it. Or, you know, I've really turned around on that movie or, or that kind of thing. And then suddenly, oh, here's an opportunity to watch it for the show. Oh, perfect. <laughs> um, critically, it is not got much accolades to it. It sits at 39% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 64% audience score, and it only sits at 43% at Metacritic. And just looking at, at the critical reviews, Roger Ebert did review it. I always try to use Roger Ebert if I can. And mm-hmm. oddly enough, he provides our positive review this week. Oh, good. <laughs> um, he says, the movie is funny because it is sincere. It likes Rod. It doesn't portray him as a maniacal goofball, but as an ambitious kid who really thinks every single time that he will succeed. In creating this aura of sincerity, Hot Rod benefits from SpaceX performance. She plays the mom absolutely straight, without inflection, as if she were not in a comedy. That's the only right choice. Supporting characters are needed to reinforce Rod, not compete with him. All of these characters and some of the conflicts are familiar from other movies, but Hot Rod puts a nice spin on them. It's pretty funny much all the way through, even in the final showdown between Rod and his stepdad. I have seen countless movie fights that stagger the imagination, but this one goes over the top and comes down on the other side. Just what Rod would like to do someday. (laughs) On the negative side, Peter Travers from Rolling Stone writes, Samberg and his Lonely Island buds from SNL do have a knack for sight gags, such as Rod's punch dance and his extended fall down a hill. But the film's low-key Wayne's World vibe takes it only so far. I laughed, then I wished it was funnier, then I just wished it would end. (laughs) So Travers' review kind of interested me because like, his punch dance that he does early in the film was a genuine laugh from me. But I, I... you have to admit I wasn't rolling all the way through. So I guess, uh, what do you think about these reviews? What do you think about what Eber or Travers says or, or anything like that? Um, I think they're both, they're both right. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, think, I hear that more often on this show than you would think. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really think like Ebert nailed it as far as like, like how he described the characters. Like you're right. Like Sandberg is a genuine person who really thinks he can do what he's doing. And like all his buddies are not just, they're not like over the top weird. They're just there to make sure he gets, you know, to each destination and, and finish what he's doing. And I mean, his mom was like, he's like, he said, just straight acting, didn't really care what kind of movie she was in, I guess, or that's what they told her to do. And it, and it worked. And then as far as like what, uh, what Peter said, there are some moments that maybe this movie drags on for, for those who aren't in on this type of humor. And I don't know what, what this one would be considered. I mean, like he said, the punch dance thing is great. I mean that the whole time he's fallen down the the hill, I was, I was personally like in tears laughing, like holding my gut the first but time. But it's I saw 47 it. seconds. He falls down that <laughs> hill for 47 seconds. <laughs> oh, I know. And then there, and then there's those, those cutaway scenes where you don't see him falling. You just hear it. Like, yeah, like if they would have left those out, it still would have been funny. But I thought that added to it. But then at the end, like you after he you think he'd be busted all up, he just gets up and and all of a sudden he knows what he's doing. <laughs> but right. uh, no, there are there definitely are some moments where it's like, all right, maybe we didn't need to do this as much. Like even like the, the Cool Bean song, like totally out of place. I thought it was funny, but I can see how that would definitely turn some viewers off to be like, what are we watching right now? <laughs> And that's exactly the thought I had during that scene was what the hell is going on here (laughs) (laughs) that we've suddenly turned this brothers saying cool beans to each other into not only an extended gag, but now it's being remixed. What the hell? (laughs) Uh, Lord Michaels had a response to some of the critics, which I found uh, also worth sharing. Uh, He said, I've lived through everything from Wayne's world with Mike and Dana to Tommy boy with Chris Farley. All the things I did with Will Ferrell and even the Three Amigos. Critics just don't like new comedians, and they certainly don't like them if they come from SNL or television. Later on, they revise their opinions and say that so-and-so's later films aren't as good as the first ones. I think the picture will be thought of differently in two years. Hmm. Which is really interesting given that, you know, I heard all these critics changing their minds about it when they were doing their year, you know, their decade end list. Yeah. He was right. He was. I like that. So for people who haven't seen the movie, as uh, you kind of alluded to, it, it is a stuntman 
the world's worst stuntman. <laughs> yep. Um, and the overall plot is that he is needs to put on a show, kind of that trope of let's put on a show, to raise uh, $50,000 for his stepfather's heart transplant. Mm-hmm. A stepfather with which he has a very uh, abrasive relationship. <laughs> yes. <laughs> very abrasive. Which is established early on in the film that he feels like he needs it, – it, it's – the way it's presented in the film is really funny because he's putting on pads and gear because he needs to go fight his stepfather to win his respect. And you're <laughs> watching this going, what kind of relationship does he have that he thinks he has to fight his stepfather? No, that's exactly the relationship that they have <laughs> yeah. that they have to, that he has to beat and not fight, but beat his stepfather in order to win his respect. And, and Rod can't even bang a drum. <laughs> or beat, beat a drum that, that's what he says yeah beat a drum yes <laughs> yeah oh and that's his stepfather played by ian mcshane uh who i think is probably the best thing out of this movie you know i would actually agree with you he for you know the the amount of screen time he has he kills it in in all of it even when he's like laying in not such a, a good state of of health he's still just you know giving it to to rod as as much as he can oh yeah yeah i mean his especially the scene where he's pretending to sleep while mm-hmm. Rod's Rod's giving him like an honest heartfelt speech there to his, to him asleep. And he responds with trash talk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wonderful stuff. So the first film that came to my mind while I was watching this was Napoleon dynamite. H- how do you feel about that movie? Um, I, I love Napoleon dynamite. Also, I, I remember, a friend borrowed that movie to me in school and I watched it with my brother and my dad. And I was the only one who left that movie experience being like, I could watch that movie all the time. (laughs) My brother and my dad absolutely hated it. Yes. See, I fall on that side of things. I am not (laughs) a fan of it, but several of the reviews I read referred to this. You you were saying you couldn't really figure out how to categorize it. They referred to the, a lot of the humor in this as surreal humor and compared it to Napoleon dynamite in that way that, it it does get a little bizarre with the way that it gets its laughs. Yes, I I would agree with that. Yeah, I think surreal is the the best way to to categorize it. And yeah, there's a lot of of the the same parallels and humor with Hot Rod and Napoleon Dynamite. Now that you brought that that one up, I didn't even think of that before. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I thought it just even in that opening scene where he's getting ready to do the the ramp jump and. He does this repeatedly throughout the film, but he he calls on the the spirit of some animal. So in that first <laughs> scene, it's it's soul of an eagle, and then later on, it's uh, soul of a bottlenose dolphin, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I just he's getting ready to do this stunt, and he does this you know soul of an eagle, and ancestors protect me, and then goes to to do the stunt, which we should I guess go ahead and say. He doesn't succeed in a single stunt over no. the course of the movie. <laughs> not not a single one. <laughs> not he comes close. <laughs> he, he he does make the one jump. He does. He just yep. Doesn't exactly nail the landing. <laughs> no. No, you have to have your motorcycle to land properly. I think he kind of forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean that's just I, I, I don't know what it was specifically that made me think of Napoleon Dynamite. And I was not a fan of Napoleon Dynamite. That that movie bothered me so much. I, I think it bothered me more because I watched the movie thinking this is stupid, but it was culture had just so absorbed that movie and were so captivated by it. And you had everybody. I remember going to a class and one of my college professors praising the movie. And oh. even like to the point that I stayed after class to ask my college professor to uh, defend why he liked it. And he couldn't give a reason why he liked it. Yeah. Um, I can't either. <laughs> I just some, some, <laughs> something about the laughs. Just just do it. There's all that. I don't know what it's called in movies per se, but maybe like like the dead air that happens in that movie where there's a lot of just nothing happening, but there's still something like like going on there. Gotcha. Yeah. Like uh, like I guess when like like Napoleon goes off that jump or when when Pedro goes off that jump and then there's a, a few counts and then Napoleon's like, you got like three feet of air that time. And then there's just more <laughs> like dead scene. Like that stuff just kills me, and, and it shouldn't because it's not funny, but it works. It, it works for you. <laughs> yeah, it, it works for me. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, <laughs> there's there's some of that stuff in Hot Rod too. Like, um, 
where some like nothing happens and it just it just works like uh i, I can't, can't even think of anything for that now but i don't know it's it's very similar so but i mean this this has lots of little moments like 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 when they're getting ready to do the he's doing strengthening training and he needs to strengthen his lungs. So he's going to have them hold him underwater Mm -hmm. and he shows them the bell that he'll ring if there's a problem. And they all start trying to harmonize with the bell just randomly. (laughs) And this is like another good 30, 45 seconds of a gag that I'm sitting here going, what is going on here? (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. It it comes out of nowhere and it just stays for, for maybe a little longer than it needs to, but. Do you uh, do you think that that the the gags last a little too long when they should? Maybe now so like because I've really opened up my uh my movie watching stuff to a lot more movies and and paying attention to stuff and for a movie that maybe wants to try to garner a larger audience, I can see how something like that probably goes on maybe like a couple beats just too long. You know, the the movie I guess itself is uh could have been like a Saturday night live bit just drawn out over an hour and a half or however long the actual runtime is. But I, I can see them kind of losing a lot of people with, with like the bell thing or, or the falling, even like the, the mob scene that happens later. Like, like that one, that one t- takes a weird turn. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's come back to that one. Cause okay. I do want to, I do want to talk about that. Uh, in, <laughs> I want to give that one a little more attention. Sure. Uh, it, it, it's interesting. You make the comment like an SNL sketch st- stretched out over an hour because that was actually going to be my next comment slash question. I guess it, it's been said that kind of the, the SNL crew that you grew up with is always the golden age for a person. Like mm-hmm. that's when the show was at its best and anything that comes after that is, is crap. Like that, that seems to be a general consensus. And I'm at the point now where I don't, I don't watch SNL. I just, I mean, not that I, I don't like it, but just I'll, I'll catch the highlights, I guess, via YouTube. But I do remember tuning in and really feeling like that was a perpetual problem was that the gags went on for too long Mm -hmm. that like they would stretch a three minutes, you know, essentially three minutes of comedy out into a five minute sketch or something that was only 30 seconds of comedy became a a five minute sketch. Do you, because you made that comment about this movie. Do you feel that way about Saturday night live as well? Or do you think that it's sketches are are paced out properly or or what's your stance in that area? Uh, I'm I'm with you. I haven't watched Saturday night live in, in forever. And I honestly didn't even really watch it when, uh, when Andy Sandberg and those guys were, were on the show, I would catch an episode here or there, but I either found myself too busy to watch it or just, just not interested in Saturday night live as, as much as everyone else, you know, seemed to be, and I don't know why. Um, okay. Yeah, I uh, I really don't have, I guess, any input on the whole Saturday Night Live thing as of now. Um, no, that's fine. I mean, it, it goes through waves. I mean, I, I know that it's it went through waves before because I'm from like the Dana Carvey, uh, Phil Hartman, you know, that that era. Mm-hmm. And I know that if you go back and you look at kind of the history of SNL or back when it was shown on, China, on uh, Comedy Central and you could watch repeats – that there's definitely kind of dead periods in the history of the show a couple of years earlier. And I might not have tuned into it as well. A lot of it just has to do with like, it's, it's getting a great resurgence right now because current day politics is giving it so much to work with. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but if you, I guess if you came of age with Saturday night live in the right time or in the wrong time, I guess maybe you wouldn't have a, a as big, a it wouldn't have been as big a part of your, experience Mm -hmm. i know i watched it when i was growing up a lot more than i did like once i became like an adult or whatever um i was born in like 88 so anywhere in like the the late 90s early 2000s is when i spent most of my time watching it i can't remember who was big at that time though because i think i had the tail end of like chris farley um ah yeah i've seen that would be one of those dead periods after i mean because like Farley, and I may be completely wrong on this, but uh, if I remember correctly, Farrell was coming in towards the end of the Farley era, but Farrell was hated at first. He he had the title of being like the most despised Saturday Night Live cast member. Oh, really? For, like his first first or both first and second season. I think it's just his first season, but yeah, he he was he. It's funny now to look back because of all the things he's done, you know, cinematically, but yeah, people didn't, did not like him when he first came to the show. Yeah. Oh, that would have been him. Yeah. It would have been him and like, um, Fallon and who's the, the larger Horatio Sands that those, those are the guys that were, 
that were like the main cast when I started watching. And, and I, I enjoyed those a lot. I mean, Will Ferrell is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> he is now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it took, I think it wasn't until he got his W impression that he really took off. Yeah. But yeah, like his first, I specifically remember he ha- he was like one of the most hated cast members of all time for Silent Live, his first season. And this was originally a Will Ferrell vehicle, we should mention. Oh, that's right. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Hot Rod <laughs> was originally written and was being developed. That's why there are the uncredited rewrites. They they kept the writing credit for Pam Brady. But once, I think I remember reading that, that Sandberg said reading the script was really in Will Ferrell's voice and they had to do rewrites. Otherwise, it would have just been a bad Will Ferrell impression throughout the movie. Sure. Yeah. Oh, I can't even imagine what this would have been with him in there. so there's lots of a variety of gags in this there's some big gags some little gags i mean you you mentioned cool beans which definitely kind of takes the center spotlight but just before that in the scene where he's where rod is going to visit his brother you have his brother kevin performing a karaoke song for stuffed animals (laughs) and i would call that like a little gag because it's only shown on screen for like two seconds that mm-hmm. that's his audience long enough to get the audience's attention, but it's not like a huge gag kind of like cool beans. So what's your favorite gag out of this movie? Uh, I think I would have to go with, I think I have to go with the, the falling down the hill. I think that's my <laughs> the, favorite one. The 47 <laughs> the, seconds, of the 47 fall. seconds of just screaming. Um, I mean, I guess I should count the lead up into that too, because the, the whole dance thing, like him getting mad and upset and I have to go into his quiet place and then the music kicks in and then all of a sudden he's just doing the footloose thing and, and then the fall comes out of nowhere and it's just a, it's just a perfect little just dessert of, of hilariousness that I enjoy getting every time I watch the movie. Yeah, the soundtrack for this movie is something else. <laughs> yeah. Lots of uh, Europe, if you like that kind of thing. <laughs> and I can't tell if they included it because they liked it or if they were making fun of it by including it. Yeah, I don't know either. I it, it, you're kind of right in the middle of it because you like you said you don't know what they're what they're leaning towards. It almost seems like they're just doing it because they they enjoy it, and it it all fits with the movie well. I think so. Yeah, no, I mean it fits the tone perfectly. Yeah. So I, the other reason that Rod is a stuntman is because his his father who passed away when he was young or before he, before he was born, it was when he was young, I guess. Yeah. I think it was when his, he was young. His, his father was a stunt man. Mm-hmm. And I think the scene where Sissy Spacek really gets to shine is when she finally reveals to Rod that his father wasn't actually a stunt man, that the picture he's been carrying around of his father with evil Knievel was because evil Knievel visited, uh, came for a visit and took pictures with a bunch of people who worked at this store and that his father was just, a cashier. Yeah. Sandberg's transformation after that is pretty darn amazing. Oh yes. Yes. I told <laughs> Yeah. He, uh, he gets a uh, clean cut real quick after that. <laughs> yeah. And it's not just the fact that now instead of the dirty daredevil jumpsuit, he's now wearing a shirt and tie. Um, I mean, his hair even looks different mm-hmm. after that. Yeah, he uh, he really took that to heart and and decided that you know why follow in his father's footsteps if if he's not even what he's what he was told his whole life and yeah I can see how that could really damage someone's soul especially after all the, <laughs> the failures and stuff that's been going on in your life. Yeah, he. I mean, I guess he's just still continuing in his father's footsteps. He's just now got a different path to to walk to get there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It is written, the meek shall inherit the earth, but not on my watch. I am King Osiris. I wasn't born to be a king, but America needed something democracy could no longer give her. And so, like a chess master, I made my moves with anticipation and bravado. This is not just my story, nor simply about my rise to power. This is a story 
about our world and the monsters that control governments. What happens when the monsters cannot control me? The Rise of King Osiris. Listen on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Visit theriseofkingasilas.com. What do you think? What do you What do you want to bring up? Uh, I guess you know. I've I've been trying to convince uh, my wife to watch this movie for a long time and she's very, she doesn't want to. (laughs) And (laughs) every time, like out, like even like, cause I said, I was going to be on this show and I said, I'm going to watch this movie for, for this show that I'm going to be on. I said, do you want to watch it with me? Just like kind of have it fresh in my mind. And she goes, yeah, I'll watch it. But she said it just like that. And I'm like, no, we don't have to, if you don't want to, like, I I understand why she doesn't. So Uh this is one of those movies where, where it's like, I really want people to watch this, but if someone says no, because I either tell them who's in it or what it's about, it's like, that's fine. <laughs> I'm not going to make you watch this because it's just, it's so absurd. And yeah, I don't know that I can go a, a long way to help you with that. I don't think I can convince your wife to to watch this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't dislike it, but it's freaking weird oh it it really is um i think you wanted i don't know if you wanted to hit on it yet or not but the whole mob scene oh yeah let's yeah let's go back to that yeah the the mob scene so that you have this nice inspirational number as they're making their way towards rod's big stunt that's going to raise the fifty thousand dollars for his dad and the whole town is coming out and marching behind him (laughs) and then suddenly out of nowhere somebody starts looting and the whole thing becomes chaos. <laughs> and instead of this inspirational moment, it's now it, it, it reminds me of like the cities that are set on fire because their team won the playoffs. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what happens in, in the span of like a minute and a half of a song. And right. Like it goes from inspirational to madness. <laughs> Oh, and then and then the the little cherry on top of that one is is once the the group of friends kind of gets out of there and they start talking about it, all of a sudden the one is just holding a TV, being like, "Yeah, I don't know what happened out there, but it's really disgusting, and those people should be ashamed of themselves." As he's holding a TV, he just looted. Danny McBride is sitting there holding a TV that he's <laughs> obviously taken. He's saying they should be ashamed. <laughs> I think that was the punchline that made that work for me. Not, I mean, I, I liked it. That was, that was a funny gag because it certainly went against audience expectations. Um, but the Danny McBride bit at the end was definitely, as you put it, the cherry on top that, that that's what made that joke work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> I really enjoyed the, I'd, I'd say cameo, but I feel like he was probably in it longer than that. But like Will Arnett, when he shows up, I, I enjoy him and it feels like, Hollywood doesn't for whatever reason, or at least a, a certain sect of them don't like him, but I think he's great. And, and his scene with, uh, with, is it, is it Isla Fisher's? Is how you say her name? It's Isla. Isla. I had to look it up because I've, I've mispronounced it for apparently over a decade. Okay. It's Isla Fisher. So yeah. have I, <laughs> but, but like when, when she decides to leave him and he starts, you know, yelling at her to come back and he just repletes babe over and over it's another one of those that just goes too long but i still just just love it because it's it's absurd that's why yeah will arnett plays isla fisher's boyfriend but there's also this budding romance between her and her character and rod throughout the movie uh and it goes exactly the way that the audience might expect it to Mm -hmm. but will arnett to me I, i don't know that people don't like him I don't think a lot of studios knew how to use him. And that is, he's not really a leading man. He's good in bit parts like this, as opposed to trying to get him to hold his own, you know, on a, on a comedy in a leading role. I, I don't think he's a leading man type, but I think he's perfect in little roles like this, where he can come in and do his, his gag, do his bit and then be, be done with it before people get tired of it. Oh, that is a that is a great way. And then after you said that, like looking back at at everything he's tried to be a lead in, and it like you said, it just doesn't maybe go so well for him. But like 
him on Arrested Development. He's in there just enough. And any of those other movies where he's just on those smaller, the smaller sides, he's, he's really good in that. But yeah, his leading stuff, I don't know. I don't know what it is about his leading stuff where it just doesn't seem to click, but... I think it's because of the way he carries himself. I mean, like that, that persona works like worked perfectly in Lego Batman movie. Mm-hmm. Like there he was, he was a good leading man, but he, he's a, he's a foil. He needs somebody to play off of. And you don't necessarily get that in the leading man role. Like you'd need to be like a leading duo in order to have somebody. That's why he works well in the rest of development is he has Jason Bateman's, you know, straight lace character to, to play off of. Sure. Um, and, and I mean, even the same in Lego Batman movie, he has other characters to kind of bounce off of, but it works because I guess just because of the nature of those Lego movies. Right. But yeah, I mean, I've, I saw, I, I don't have it in front of me, but he did the movie, you know, let's go to prison or whatever it was. And it, it, it wasn't good. And it wasn't that he wasn't capable of doing that. It's just that he shouldn't have been the lead in it. Mm-hmm. Wow. I never, I really never thought of it that way. I think that's the best way to describe Will Arnett. He's just, uh, he's, he's a good second fiddle. <laughs> yeah. And he's, and, and I love him. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's, he's hilarious. And he was, and it, as soon as he showed up in this, I was like, of course that's who she's dating. <laughs> yeah. Because if you're going to contrast Rod to somebody, that's who it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, just some, <laughs> just some douchebag, like snobby guy. And I mean, he fits that, that character really well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, and I love the, there was another scene that actually really worked for me is once Rod realizes Denise is going out with this guy and he's very clearly jealous. He decides, Oh, well the best way to do deal with this is to make her jealous of him. And so he asks the cashier out at the, (laughs) it's not even a drive-in. I don't even know what to call that kind of restaurant, but the little, yeah, just some like little, like burger stand type of thing. It's almost like a, like a food truck, but it's just a, but it's a building. Yeah. yeah I think burger stands the best yeah. way to describe it, but yeah. So he, he, he starts hitting on the cashier there from a distance far enough away that she can't hear it, but it just looks like he's laughing and smiling and having a time. And I was, that was, that was a pretty good scene <laughs> as well. Oh yeah. He uh, re- really disappointed. She didn't show up. I was hoping there would have been some kind of, conflict as far as that date goes and then she would have left and then it would have pursued from there but uh you know i guess they know what they're doing with movies for the most part (laughs) one would hope yeah yeah you would hope so (laughs) but then but then the cool beans thing makes me think no they don't yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's 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 really absurd it really is and i'm i'm okay being in the minority of liking this one i mean like you said you didn't hate it and and i guess that's all i can ask for is that you didn't absolutely hate it (laughs) i feel like there's got to be at least something in there for everybody to be like oh that was that was at least worth watching well yeah i mean i and and maybe i need time because as i said all the critics i heard talking about it were had had been removed from it through some time so maybe i need some time to acclimate to it more than just you know a couple of days but I just I, I can't say it's a hundred percent my thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed it. I, I laughed here and there, but but Lonely Island has never been my thing. Okay, so I mean I mean Dick in a Box, yes, but because it was a short, yeah, and and it it filled the time. You know, it, the gag lasted as long as it needed to, and then was done. And but but none of a lot of their other stuff just hasn't done it for me i guess sure. is the best way to put it i so i'm assuming you haven't seen the other movie they put out then correct oh uh, which one's that uh pop star i have not seen that yet okay uh it's <laughs> it's actually i've been told that one is really good as well um and but it, it so it's kind of on my radar but it just hasn't been a priority sure yeah i mean i feel like there's not as many of the same they they kind of abandoned the the drawn out bits as far as i can remember um, like, like this one had, so it's, it's more very just hit and hit and move on to the next kind of thing. And, and it, it is also really good. So since you're not a fan so much of the, let's take this for 40 seconds and, and just, you know, try to ring every like giggle we can get out. Pop stars more your thing where it's just like, here's this joke onto the next one. And that's what they do. 
I'll have to check that one out. As I said, uh, several people have said have praised that one as well. So I just yeah. I don't know that I'm a big enough Andy Samberg fan in the first place. Although again, this movie has a huge cast. Mm-hmm. You know, you you mentioned Will Arnett uh, earlier. We mentioned Danny McBride is in it. You know, playing the one friend. Bill Hader's role in this is hilarious as just the weird guy. Oh, when he gets that thing in his eyebrow. <laughs> Yeah, messing around with the the sander or whatever and <laughs> calls Rod to a- ask him to take him to the hospital. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like when he first did that turn and it's just in his head and Andy Samberg freaks out. And then he's like not even sure why he's freaking out. <laughs> right. Because he hasn't seen himself. <laughs> but yet there's exactly what you were talking about when you first talked about this movie is that scene also has a really poignant moment at the end right before he goes into the hospital where he gives Rod advice, mm-hmm. you know, saying, you know, basically telling him to that he needs to forgive his brother for, well, frankly, something his brother didn't even do wrong. Right. Um, and that he needs to just get past it. And I, it was a, like a really poignant moment in the middle of this ridiculous situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there really is like some some good writing as far as well, maybe not good's the right word, but there's, <laughs> <laughs> you know they I think they really tried to to put some kind of message in there to at least make this feel like like the movie has a purpose instead of just being stupidity from you know hidden play to when the credits roll. Yeah, and I think it does accomplish that. It's just weird. I yeah. mean, it's just it's just got. I mean, it's got. I'm just looking through my notes from watching it, and it's just. I mean, you have you have Ebenezer Scrooge pop out at one point for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> That's right at the end, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's he's on one of the buses that gets jumped when he and he's helping them celebrate. You know? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but where I was going with the cast is uh, Chris Parnell also brings uh, uh, quite a bit of absurdity as well, but is also perfectly used in this movie. Mm-hmm. He plays the manager of the AM radio station that is <laughs> sponsoring Rod's massive jump. And Parnell is another one of those actors that, you know, he's a supporting actor, supporting comedian, and he just he knows how to nail the gag and move on. And mm-hmm. most people would know him from Rick and Morty, but he also, you know, he's, he's done a, a bunch of stuff. He was on 30 rock. Uh, he was in, um, uh, he was in walk hard, the Dewey Cox story, mm-hmm. which I've talked about on the show. Bit. He was an anchor man for a little while. And here, uh, you know, it's just, I, I, I love his, he kind of plays the lovable loser. And he does that really well here with the, you know, station manager, like, <laughs> oh, you know, radio. <laughs> AM radio, right. <laughs> What's the most obsolete broadcast technology we can bring into this movie? <laughs> Absolutely. Let's throw an AM and call her good. Yeah, no, it, he, he really does play the lovable loser really well. And the, the whole tattoo explanation thing was just stupid. Like, wh- like it didn't even need to be in there, <laughs> but right. <laughs> Right, but and, yeah, and so there, there you go with with the surreal again. Like, why the hell was that there? Mm-hmm. But it was funny. Yeah, it was a it was a great explanation for it. And you know, the when he was telling it to them, they just kind of seemed to like okay, and they just moved on. They didn't yep. uh, they didn't dwell on it much after that. No, well, yeah. I'm not not sure there was a ton there to dwell. <laughs> yeah, on. yeah. I mean, it's just uh, just such such a weird thing. But yeah, I mean, the movie is absurd. The there's something else I I just thought of something I wanted to talk about. Now I can't even remember what it was. It's another one of those just kind of drawn out kind of things. But uh, well, the other the other what is the oh, other drawn yeah. out thing that I had the the him pronouncing that, that his safe word is whiskey. <laughs> and I yeah. was isn't that a running gag on Family Guy though? Yeah, they did it on on Family Guy with with the Cool Whip. Um, and I don't know which came first because I know I think it was. Who was saying? I think it was Stewie was saying Cool Whip wrong because and it was just irritating Brian with it. And yeah, as soon as that came up, it was like, oh, I, I've seen this before. But which I'm I'm not a huge Family Guy fan. But if you get the chance to see Seth MacFarlane do those voices live, he did them, I think, on the Grand Norton show. I'm sure it's I, on YouTube. Yeah, I watched it's that clip. It's <laughs> hilarious to see him do those two characters having a dialogue about the Cool Whip. Mm hmm. But then that was all I could think of when I saw that gag here. And again, it played for longer than it should have, especially because it's been done on Family Guy in short form. And I guess maybe if this came first, then then that would explain it. Right. I don't know. 
yeah, I'm not sure if that was if that was parallel thinking or if someone copied the other. But um, yeah, I think that's another one where it was just like maybe could have just let it go for a, a little bit and then had him just go instead of just letting it just drip to nothing and then continuing the scene. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I'm more of a fan of the, the quick hit type gags. And again, mm-hmm. there's plenty of them in here. Like the guy just looked at my notes and saw, Oh yeah, he has the, when you, you first see Rod's room, it's decorated with all of these pictures of daredevils. So you have this poster from a daredevil show and this picture of a daredevil making his jump. And then a poster of yo-yo ma from the library. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's the most random i mean that's again that absurd humor it's the most random thing but and and but it's in this case it's only on screen for like two seconds it's not Mm -hmm. a long drawn out thing it's little little pieces like that are what really got me to enjoy the movie than the longer more surreal humor Mm -hmm. yeah like the the whole thing with like the their friend richardson he was trying to he wouldn't get out of the pool then he wanted to pass out the flyers and he did this weird dance thing he's like you like what you see and they're just like no (laughs) Yeah, and I didn't get that. Yeah. I was I to me and then the, and not only to have it there early on in the movie, but then to call back to it later on in the film was like, why is this going on? Why is this guy even in the movie? Is he like is he their friend and he was on set or something or what? Yeah, he uh yeah, I'm not sure exactly what what happened with him because they almost seemed like they forgot about him for most of the movie and then like you said they brought him back for a little bit and yeah, I don't know if that was just part of rewrites and they just skipped it or had to cut some stuff out with him. But uh, I think what he just said is right. He was maybe he was just there and they're like, I oh, will try to use him. And they just kind of let him do what he wanted to do. Well, and there was a lot of weird dancing in this movie. Oh, because you yep. have you have Rod's punch dancing mm-hmm. that we've we both already said we liked that part. Yes. That was that was funny. You have this guy's dancing whose name I suddenly know. Is it Richardson or something like that? Yeah, you have Richardson. Him, him, yep. Yeah, you have him doing the dancing. And then you have one scene where the the camera has Kevin and uh, Danny McBride's character dancing at the the little burger stand. And then the scene goes on with them just dancing in the background, doing this ridiculous dance. Oh, (laughs) yeah. It's like there's a lot of dancing in this movie. Yeah, they they love their music (laughs) and they love their weird dancing. Yeah, the song was like Two of Hearts and... And yeah. <laughs> uh, Danny McBride pushes Kevin into the van like twice. <laughs> Just and then yeah, that then the whole conversation with uh Denise and uh and Rod about who would win in the the fight between the taco and the the taco cheese. and the Jill Creek sandwich. And then yeah. you have the call back to that later on when he has his uh profound out of body experience. <laughs> another just way absurd thing that, I mean, if they would have just let that go with the first joke, I think it would have been funny, but then they, they break it back for no reason other than just maybe fill time and just, you know, submit this movie. And like the, that's really just, why is this put in here? Yeah. I mean, it's weird. Yeah. I can't, I can't say I didn't like it, but I can't say that I was a huge fan of it either. So, so I'm assuming you won't be watching this like once per month. Like I will be. <laughs> no, no. In fact, that that's the, that's the praise you can tell your wife is, well, he liked it, but, or he did, he didn't not like it, but he didn't like it either. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. I, it'll be curious to see where I sit in another couple of months or another mm-hmm. year. If this is one where, like so many of these critics, I turn around on it and I'm like, oh, wait, this was actually really brilliant. Because mm-hmm. again, it's it's so new to me. I hadn't seen it before and I've only, I'm only going on a couple of days of having seen it. So sure. it'll be interesting to see if it's something that like somehow pulls me back in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm really interested to kind of see, see you down the road and maybe you'll have an update on your show. I'll be like, hey, I watched that one again. Still don't like it as much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to talk about before we move to the closing credits? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think we kind of just nailed everything that that we could as far as as far as the movie goes and i mean the stuff that we left out maybe will be some fun surprises for if someone decides to watch this after hearing everything (laughs) all right well we have the algorithm says this is kind of a lightning round these are movies that various algorithms say you might like because you liked hot rod okay so this is kind of a lightning round yes you like it no you didn't like it why the hell is that connected to this movie kind of reaction type thing okay all right. So first up, pop star, never stop, never stopping. Uh, love it. 
And that's the same Lonely Island crew, right? Yep, absolutely. Yep. All right. Wet Hot American Summer. Uh, I liked it. I don't know if I if I loved it, but it was an enjoyable watch for sure. And my understanding is it's kind of the inspiration for this film tonally. I can see that. <laughs> All right. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite. We already talked about that one. Yep. Uh, MacGruber. Uh, I also really liked MacGruber. Okay. Walk Hard, The Dewey Cox Story. Uh, I didn't like it the first time I watched it, but watching it like a few times later, it really grew on me. I really enjoy that one a lot. And a note to listeners, that's like episode two of this podcast. So we have covered that one before. <laughs> uh, Step Brothers. Oh, Step Brothers is like like top 10 comedies. Really? Yeah. Because I, I hear such mixed reviews on it. I have not checked it out yet still. Oh, it's it's basically just Will Ferrell and uh, John C. Riley just being the stupidest people on earth to each other. And it's it's another one of those where it's maybe some gags go on too far, but it's I love it. I absolutely love Step Brothers. Okay. School of Rock. I uh, really enjoy that one. I uh, Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I, that's another one that has just a lot of heart to it, kind of mm-hmm. like what you were saying. All right, now's, now's when we get into some of the weird stuff. Okay. Hancock. Hancock? The, the, the Will Smith superhero one? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like it. I don't know how that relates to this one at all, but I like it. Yeah. Uh, Logan Lucky. I have not seen Logan Lucky. Well, well, there you go. Okay. (laughs) I don't know how it's connected because it's an action, you know, drama as opposed to a comedy. But uh, yeah. Okay. 21. Uh, I also have not seen that one. That one's really good. The only guess I can think as far as a connection is trying to raise money. In 21, they have to raise a certain amount of money to get caught up on gambling debts and some mistakes they've made. Whereas here they're doing the stunt work, but that's the oh, okay. only connection I can think of. Sure. And finally the secret life of Walter Mitty. Oh, I've been meaning to watch that one. Uh, I think the trailer just sold that movie for me. I just haven't had a chance to find it. <laughs> the trailer misrepresents it. I will say that. Oh, um, I really liked the trailer. I enjoyed the movie quite a bit. I've got to revisit it. Maybe a coming episode. Um, but yeah, it, it's not. It's a good movie. Okay. All right. Finally, we always end with the pop quiz. Four questions that are related to the movie that we're talking about. So here we go. All Number right. one: Samberg, Takone, and Schaefer promoted the movie by appearing in shorts on Comedy Central, where they tried to convince people it was about what? A a teacher. B, a priest, C, a wrestler, or D, a sex offender? Oh, I, I'm i going to go against my better judgment because I think I'm going to be wrong, but I'm going to go with C. Uh, C, a wrestler? Yes. No, it was a sex offender. It was a sex, they, I was, I was going to go with that, but... Yeah, they had little, little interstitials on Comedy Central, and they were trying to persuade people that he had to do the stunts in order to raise money for sex offending. Oh, geez, okay. Well... Number two, the band that performs at Rod's 15 school bus stunt is actually what well-known band in disguise? A, Limp Biscuit, B, Queens of the Stone Age, C, The Foo Fighters, or D, Dan Band? And I knew this before even catching the credits on it. It's B, Queens of the Stone Age. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Three, several of the movie scenes are inspired by moments from real life, which was not an inspired scene. A, Dave's trip to the hospital. B, Rod wearing bubble wrap and getting hit by the van. C, Rod's pronunciation of the letter W. Or D, Frank and Rod's fights. Uh, let's go with... Let's go with the hospital visit. Uh, no, Bill Hader actually... Uh, that's inspired by a, an actual friend of Bill Hader's. Oh. He, he just... He was in the Rod role where he had to be the one to come t- pick him up and take him to the hospital. Okay. <laughs> uh it's frank and rod's fights uh as i said dave's trip was inspired by one of bill Hader's friends rod wearing bubble wrap was inspired by the movie grizzly man and rod's pronunciation of the letter w was inspired by the hip-hop group gangstar oh well that's interesting okay all right last question several of the movie scenes are improvised what was not an improvised moment a, Rod ringing the bell and the guys trying to match its tone. B, Rod asking Kathy out to make Denise jealous. C, Rod's pronunciation of the letter W. Or D, Rod's song about wearing a shirt on the way to his date. Oh, that could be a trick question there. I'm going to say 
that it was asking out on the date. No, he improvised that scene. Oh man, I'm just not very good. <laughs> no, it's all good. And this is this is low stakes. It's not like there's darn you didn't get the new car I was giving away this oh, week. Shoot. Uh, no, it was the pronunciation of the letter W. They did actually script that scene out. Oh. Um, him asking Kathy out on the date, the guys trying to match the bell's tone and the song uh, he's when he's on his moped about going on a date and wearing a shirt on your date. That that's all improvised moments. Oh, and I almost said the the whole W you think too because of the previous question but just <laughs> figured they maybe just figured that out afterwards or something but okay cool all right <laughs> cool uh so uh we talked about your podcast at the top of the show here's your chance where can people find you what do you want to promote uh i am on twitter at gtth pod um my podcast is anywhere you can find them called garrett talks to himself it's, it's really hard to explain because i'm kind of in the middle of uh of maybe switching some stuff up but uh I give out rules for what society should follow and I talk about movies, music and games, and then just some stuff that maybe bothers me. So find me wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> and I got to commend you on the format of your show because I do like five minute intros on these. Okay. Well, more like eight minute intros on these. And I feel like I'm talking by myself for way too long. That's why the format of the show is to have a guest on mm -hmm. and you do over an hour by yourself yeah <laughs> that's that takes guts man that's all i can say <laughs> yeah um i look back at like my first episode versus where it's at now and and how much i've changed and and how much i actually still want to change because i feel like it's it's just not not what i want it to be yet which is the great thing about podcasts you can just kind of you know mess with it and, and make things work how you want it to so oh yeah i mean the general rule of thumb is your first five to ten episodes are not going to be what you want to do anyway it's just when you just finally sat down with a mic and tried to do something and then you start finding your direction so i totally get that yeah yeah but no it's 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 a fun journey and i mean you know finding you i think we we've met each other through reddit and i've met a bunch of people through twitter and stuff too it's such a such a nice community of of people who you know do things like going on each other's shows and finding all these these awesome podcasts that are out there instead of hearing about all like the Joe Rogans and all those ones that, you know, get all the money and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Garrett, I really appreciate you coming on and I appreciate the opportunity to watch Hot Rod, even if it's not going to, you know, make any <laughs> top 10 list for me. It was nice to watch it and you gave me a reason for that. So I appreciate it. Oh, not a problem. I'm glad you were able to at least find something to enjoy. And uh, thanks for having me on. It's been a, been a fun time. All right. Thank you. So we talk in the episode about how the movie was popping up on several critics' best of lists. Even if it wasn't making their best of, it was making honorable mentions. And that was because they had been given the gift of time. And when I recorded this episode with Garrett, I had watched the movie days before. And if days before, it probably was the day before. So I hadn't really had a lot of time to consider the movie when we recorded it. And you know what? We recorded that. On January 18th, which I am putting this together on February 18th. So it's been a month since I saw it. So what do I think about Hot Rod now that a month has passed? I still can't say I love the movie, but I have thought about it. It does come to mind. There have been scenes that do make me laugh to the point that one of the most ridiculous scenes in the movie, the Cool Beans part that we talk about in the episode... I showed to my son because I thought it would make him laugh. So there is something to this movie. It may not be up my alley because I'm not a big fan of absurdist comedy, but there's something to it. And I'm very curious to see how I think about the movie even further down the road. So, Garrett, I have to really say thank you for introducing me to this movie, because maybe I didn't have a full appreciation of the film when we recorded this, and maybe I don't even have a full appreciation of the film now, but it's one of those movies that lingers with you for some reason, and that's got to be worth something. So really appreciative of having the chance to, to watch this movie and talk about it. And I'll be curious to see even further down the road what I think about it. So that's going to do it for this week. 
Uh, you can always keep the conversation going throughout the week on social media. You can find me at Town Hess on Twitter or the show at Have Not Seen This on Twitter. On Facebook, we're at Have Not Seen This Podcast or email me at Have Not Seen This at gmail.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, including next week's episode where we're going to party like it's 1999. This podcast is available through all major podcast providers. Positive ratings and reviews are always welcome, just as is sharing the podcast with a friend and spreading the love. And if you like World of Warcraft or other Blizzard games, be sure to check out my other podcast, Citizens of Azeroth, a World of Warcraft podcast, also available through all major podcast sources. Special thanks to Chris Talent for our wonderful theme song, and thanks to Garrett for providing this week's conversation. Maybe you have a movie you'd like to talk about, one that means something to you or you're particularly astonished when you discover people have not seen. Well, come be a guest on the show. Head over to havenotseenthis.podbean.com, click the Be a Future Guest button, submit the form there, and we'll get you set up for a future episode. Until next week, I'm Rafe Telsch, and this has been Have Not Seen This. <laughs>